Welcome back, niggas and friends, girls and gays, thems and theys. It is I, your host, Fluid Flower, and we are back with another episode, Fluid Thoughts. Really quickly before we jump in, I'm letting you all know now that episodes will take place every Thursday and be released every Thursday from now on. I have to take care of myself. Technically, being a full-time content creator and having a full-time job, I'm essentially like working around the clock and I don't want to burn myself out and I want to make sure I bring you guys episodes every week and I want to make sure that you stay up to date on information. So make sure you follow me on Instagram, follow me on TikTok. That's where I post the most in terms of my content and episode announcements and you'll never miss anything. So be that as it may, Thursdays are now the new days for the show because on Tuesdays, I will be releasing Patreon content for my audiobooks. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the Patreon and uh, let's dive into today's episode. Today we're talking about performative allyship from white people. <laughs> and before I truly, truly get into it, I hate that the, I hate the fact that I have to do a disclaimer because I'm not getting on here saying oh, fuck you, fuck white people, fuck this. Even though, I mean, I could, I can, and sometimes I do say that. But at the same time, I'm not speaking in a sense of that's coming from hate. I'm speaking in a sense of y'all need to watch your girdles and chill the fuck out. <laughs> like, I don't think watch your girdles is a saying, but I'm gonna make it a saying. Watch your girdles. Watch where you put your panties, bitch, because y'all be doing the fucking most. What do I mean by white people doing the fucking most? Okay, so Anytime the world is crumbling or there are these life altering, life changing events where we know it's at the center of like racial injustice and the systemic like racism and injustice and sexism that black people or any other person of color experiences, but specifically in this case, black people that we experience, white people tend to do the fucking most. They either are on the spectrum of like conservatism and they're like oh this doesn't exist there's no such thing as racism you guys are actually being racist to whites and you're terrible and you blacks <laughs> just need to stop committing black on black crime you blacks i absolutely fucking hate it when anybody not even just white people when anybody refers to black people as blacks it's giving uncle ruckus <laughs> it's giving praise white jesus <laughs> But yeah, so they either operate in the spectrum of conservatism or they, I can't talk. They operate on the spectrum of like conservatism, conservatism, I guess. What is that fucking word? Or they operate in the spectrum of liberalism. And that to me is where I, I find the most like performative allyship. You see it in corporate America because like now all of these corporations especially after the um, murdering of George Floyd, rest in peace. Um, you see, you saw like all these companies like, oh, hey, diversity, equity, inclusion. I think I talked about that in my work episode, but it's so performative. Like, I think just to reiterate on that, because what one thing that black people could use are raises, cost of living raises. I just talked about gas prices and inflation and all this shit. And for some reason, everything else wants to increase but the wage. Okay, if you're so hell bent on being this fucking ally, then bitch, increase my pay. Raise my fucking pay, bitch. <laughs> um, but you also, I think for me, I also find it in like friendships and like personal relationships because it's always like the thing to me, it's so tacky 
when I do know a white person who tries to prove to me about how non-racist they are. At this software company that I used to work out, there was this girl who she essentially, she was the office manager and then she trained me. And I remember her telling me a story while she was training me about how she was originally going to apply to an HBCU in Texas. And I was like, oh, okay, well, why? She said, well, I played the flute. I said, oh, me too. I was in band. I played the flute too. And then she goes, yeah, but like my parents were like, I shouldn't apply because they know that black guys really really like girls with big butts and I have like a really big butt but that's okay because I could marry a black guy anyway because I'm totally not racist bitch in what fucking world do you think that's appropriate to say to me in a fucking corporate ass setting you're telling first of all bitch you don't know what the fuck black men like because you don't fool with black men. You ain't never dated a black man, number one. Number two, girl, you're not that cute. You're not that smart. You look dusty. <laughs> she look fucking dusty and this bitch is over here talking about some, yeah, black guys would like me because I have a big ass. So not only are you trying to prove to me that you're not racist, but you're also proving to me that you're racist because you're reducing black men to a stereotype of them liking a certain thing on 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 a woman's body girl fuck you it's that bullshit that i'm talking about like you're she's trying to relate to me in this way and the thing is she told me that story because she asked me what school i went to i said i went to fisk university and then now all of a sudden oh i was gonna apply to an hbcu and i love black people and i love black dick bitch (laughs) i didn't ask you for all of that You could have just left the story at, oh, I was going to apply, but I ended up not applying because I ended up getting money to go to another school. And that could have been that. You didn't have to say anything else. Um, (laughs) So that has happened to me on numerous occasions. I remember um, working in Teach for America where there was this white teacher who she thought because she chose to work at the inner city school that we were being trained at, she thought because she chose to work there that that automatically meant that she wasn't racist. Well, we all go out for drinks one night and um, she is absolutely batshit drunk and crazy. And all of a sudden, she just starts saying, fuck you, fuck you. And me and the other people are like, who the fuck is she talking to? And she goes, fuck you, fuck your couch, nigga, fuck your couch. And I turn to my other friend. I'm like, who, who the fuck is she talking to? So I roll up to her and I'm like, did you just call me a nigga? And I'm ready to fight. She's like, oh, it's from a TV show. She was quoting that part of Chappelle's show where he was pretending to be, uh, shit, what is his name? Super freak. Super freak, she's super freaky shit. What is that man's name? Rick James, bitch. (laughs) She's pretending to, she was quoting that part where Chappelle was pretending to be Rick James. And she starts screaming, fuck your couch, nigga, fuck your couch, randomly at some police officer. And I'm like, no the fuck, this bitch didn't. And then she says in the middle of her drunken rant, oh, I'm not racist. It's from the Chappelle show. I watch a black man. So, again... (laughs) She could have, she could have left that part out. Didn't have to say nigga. Didn't have to say anything. 
I cussed her the fuck out and I let her know, like, I don't give a fuck where you got it from. Don't you ever in your fucking life say the N-word. Don't say that shit around me. Because next time, if this motherfucking cop were in here, it would be me and you. So she ends up, like, crying and being so apologetic and so, oh, I'm so sorry. And I, I didn't mean to go. You know, turning on the white tears. Just turning on the drama. And I'm like, okay, girl, be calm. I don't give a fuck no more. Right? The next day... My voice is so shot. The next day, the next day, everybody, all of the leaders and the principals were asking me what happened because she went around and told all of the teachers and all of the leaders that I was mad at her for her making a simple mistake and that I don't know why Effie's so mad. So not only did you use your whiteness to not just say the N-word, but you went around, you beat me to the punch, and you reported the incident to make yourself look like the victim, even though you were the one screaming the N-word. Okay, now, again, this is the same white people that who, who go into our schools, our inner city schools, and they champion themselves as, oh, I'm changing the narrative and I'm changing these students' lives because I chose to teach the little blackies. <laughs> these are the people who are in our schools teaching our children. And I'm thus, I'm like, this shit is motherfucking performative. Fuck you. Fuck her. And yeah, kiss my ass. Uh, moving on. I think what's also very interesting is because of social media, the way the conversations are driven much, much faster because none of us are talking about anything new. Every time we're on Twitter or on Instagram, there's always some account that like posts old footage of like Malcolm X or Dr. King or somebody from the 50s and 60s and 70s and even up well into the 80s talking about like the relationships of white people and black people in America, right? So these things, these concepts, these ideas, these things are not new. People have been talking about this forever. I think what is different is the access to information and the fact that this access to information so quickly, it is able to sort of change like the social culture of things or be able to change like the zeitgeist. And so now when we think of like pop culture, we have to understand that especially white people who watch and pray on black people to give them the culture of, of pop culture, you will now find it that white people are in the business of trying to look like they're not as white as they are. You see white people with black sense. You'll see white people who take dances from TikTok creators, even though they didn't create it. They'll take stuff from K not Bay. They'll take her saying the girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't, don't like they take that and they'll run with that and act as if like, oh, like we're one of the cool white people. It's like, it's literally like being Regina George. They're like Regina George's mom. And she's like, I'm, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. And I've literally had white people come up to me in conversation and be like, I'm not like a regular white. I'm a spicy white. Bitch, what the fuck is spicy white? There's no such thing as spicy white. You're just white. White people use otherness. Even the people who are allies, even the people who have BLM in their bio on Instagram and on Twitter, white people like to run away from whiteness by putting on the otherness of other cultures. And that is some absolute bullshit. Just be yourself. You can be your monotonous, mayonnaise, boring self. You don't have to be like anybody else. You can simply just be white. There are literal white people who will go out of their way to prove that I'm not like a regular white. And I'm like, girl, it's okay. You don't have to prove nothing to me. I will see that by your actions. And at the end of the day, you're still white. Just be white. <laughs> These are the same people who want to be praised for dating black people. 
I'm not racist. I have black friends. Oh, how can I be racist? I have mixed children. I have black children. Like none of these things, they do not like reverse your racism and they do not boost your allyship. Do y'all know that? Because I don't think that they know that. So back in 2020, this is at the height, at the peak of like protests for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Um, like literally we were in the height of quarantine. Everything was shut down. We weren't even doing phases and there were international protests all over the world. Like 2020 had energy. And so something happened in online. I don't know. In the, in, on my timeline and I went and I clicked on it and it was this like white woman who was yelling at everybody because she was upset that people were like, why are you being like this? You need to be listening to black people. Stop arguing with black people in the comments. So I went and took it upon myself because I felt so amped up. I was like, fuck you, Julie, or whatever the fuck her name was. And she was like, do you understand that I bullied Donald Trump every day? I go to his Twitter and I say, fuck you. You don't know what I do for black people. So I just answered her back and I said, how does you going to Donald Trump's Twitter that he's probably not reading, how does you going to his Twitter and saying, fuck you, change anything materially for black people? I'll wait. When I tell you this white woman was up in motherfucking flames and tears, because this is the problem. She thought by at tweeting Donald Trump that that is her performing her allyship. All you're doing is boosting yourself and putting yourself on a pedestal. You tweeting at Donald Trump or tweeting at Tucker Carlson or tweeting at any other racist white person, that doesn't make you an ally. That doesn't make you somebody who is for black people. All you are doing is simply accosting racists online. That's not materially changing my material reality. That doesn't put money in my pocket. That doesn't get me out of homelessness. That doesn't get me out of houselessness. That doesn't get me out of increasing rent. That doesn't help pay for my groceries. That doesn't do anything for me. So you have to ask yourself, if you're truly an ally, what are you doing to make sure that the black person next to you is in community? That the person of color, that the indigenous person next to you or around you or not even near you, what are you doing to make sure that they have security? If you as the white person who has it, right? You're the white person with the money, with the job, with the six, seven, eight figures. You got the money. What are you doing to make sure that you can help somebody? Even if that help is just temporary, because we know we can't finance our way into the revolution and the revolution won't be financed. We know this, but how are you materially helping change the lives of black people, indigenous people, brown people all around the world, or even in your immediate community? Again, I say to her and other white allies, I'll wait. You accosting people online ain't doing shit for me or any other black person for that matter. Recently on TikTok, I saw a white woman. She was like, I think you'll, she, you see the video. She was like, oh, I'm, it's gonna, this video is gonna land on the wrong side of TikTok. But I just wanna say, arm the teachers. Let the teachers carry. Bitch, you've never been a teacher. <laughs> because if they're not even gonna pay for school supplies, what do you think is going to make these schools pay for guns? Are you talking about armed teachers? You talking about the same teachers who go to teach for America, like how I just said, who use the N-word and then go choose to teach at inner city schools so they can save the blacks? Girl, you armed them white teachers. They're going to start shooting the blacks. Girl, please. 
Y'all are fucking crazy. Arming teachers is not going to stop school shooters. Tweeting at or making bad posts, making fun of Mitch McConnell or Joe Biden or any other fucking white supremacists in power, tweeting at them and, and, and yelling at them is not going to change anything. What are we going to do to materially change our lives? And if you call yourself an ally, what are you going to do to materially change our lives? Because I guarantee you the shit that you're doing now ain't doing shit. If it's one thing that all of these experiences have taught me, it is that white people will constantly choose whiteness over humanity. So if a white person comes to me and tells me that they're an ally, the next thing I'm going to start doing is start asking them, are you willing to lay down your life? Are you willing to be a John Brown? If you don't know who John Brown is, I suggest you Google abolitionist John Brown. Because if you're not willing to be a John Brown, I don't want to hear nothing from you. We don't got nothing to talk about, Katie. We don't have nothing to talk about, Ronald. Understand this. We as a collective must organize ourselves. We must organize with the global South. And at the end of the day, the revolution is not going to be centered around white people. The revolution is going to be centered around racialized, colonized people from the global South around the world. And that's just, that's just simply it. You either got to get down or lay down. Cause if not, you're in the way of progress. You're in the way of struggle. That is honestly all I have. If I have more thoughts, you guys know how to check out the blog posts on my website. And I know I'm behind on blog posts, but I'll get to it eventually. I got a lot of writings to do and child, I honestly just need like 10 days on a private Island where I'm not working and I could just sit down and write for the love of me. But yes, that is going to be it for right now. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll hop into the story. What's going on world. It's your girl fluid flower. And I'm so excited to tell you all the ways that you can support me first. If you're not following me on Instagram and TikTok, you better start now. Follow the podcast at fluid thoughts pod for updates on new releases of episodes, Patreon content, and podcast announcements. When you click the link in my bio, you'll find all the links you need to support me on Patreon, Anchor.fm, and also a link to my website for blog posts, show notes, and other special projects coming soon. Whether you donate, listen, and download, or become an official patron, your support helps me to create original content and bring you fresh, fluid, flower flavor that I know you love. Did I mention I have audiobooks that are written and read aloud by me exclusively on Patreon? Trust me, you won't want to miss out on these stories. So go ahead, subscribe, like, follow, share, and most of all, enjoy. Your support is forever appreciated. Now let's get back to the show. And we are back. So before I dive into the story, I just want to give a little bit of context and also let you know this is just a sample. If you want to hear the rest of the story, you got to get it on my Patreon. (laughs) But yes, this story is going to fill out more context to where I am noticing these things from. And I've just been observing the behaviors of white people throughout my life. So it's just a sample. I'm going to read a little bit to you and I really hope you enjoy. If you want to hear the rest of it, you got to check it out on Patreon. So Without further ado, this story is called Hanging from a Tree by me, Ephemena Imanife. I was 12 years old when it happened. The moment I realized white people would never be on my side. No matter how much internalized prejudice I learned from my Nigerian parents, I would eventually walk away understanding how the world worked. I stood against the wall at a roller rink in Spring, Texas, as I held onto the bar to keep me from falling. 
My two classmates, Dominique and Terry, told me to stay put while they did laps. They promised to come back in a little while to teach me how to skate. I patiently waited and enjoyed the early 2000s pop music playing from the speakers. And out of nowhere, I felt two rough taps from a nearby boy. He pushed my shoulder to grab my attention. My friend says you're a fat nigger who can't skate. Boy, would it be funny to see you swing from a tree. A second boy skated towards us. You're not supposed to call them niggers to their faces. You wait until they leave. Fear. Real fear enveloped me like a thick fog. I could barely swallow the vomit that was suspended in my throat. By that point, my friends returned from their laps just in time to hear the second nigger leave his mouth. While Dominique prepared herself for a fight, I remained silent with horror, but mostly with pain. Terry was attempting to hold Dominique back as she defended my honor, all our honor. I shamed myself for not being more vocal, but I finally opened my mouth to say the only thing that I felt increased our safety at the time. Let's leave. Well, girls, that's just the sample. <laughs> if you want to hear and you want to read the rest, you have to go on Patreon. That is going to wrap it up for this week's show. I really hope you enjoy it. Understand, I'm coming from a place of love. And just letting people know that overall, all of us have to do better. But especially in this current superstructure of whiteness, white supremacy, racialized capitalism, I need white people to do better. Don't expect brownie points and cookie points for things that you should be doing. But you know what, girl? That's why we have the Fluid Thoughts podcast. So tune in every week, every Thursday, and I'll see you back next week. (laughs) 